Hello everyone, I'm Tony Denbach, one of the pastors here at Clearview Community Church, and I'm so glad that you've taken the time to join with us today. Have you ever been lost? Now, I don't mean that you just turned the wrong direction in your car and it took you a while to get your bearings lost. I mean lost, lost. It's the kind of lostness that comes with a feeling of terror, that wondering if you're ever going to see home again. I had an experience as a child that I remember. At the time, we lived on Market Street in Collingwood, but we had sold that house and were moving to a new home in Wasaga Beach. I knew that we were moving, but I was only six or so and didn't really know when. But one day, right around the time of our move, I went to visit a friend. In those days, we kids had the run of the neighborhood. It was a lot safer then. While I was gone, my father decided that he was going to take the family out somewhere. And so he loaded everybody up into the car and he didn't see me. So he figured he'd just drive around the neighborhood and pick me up. But I came home to a locked house, no car, and no family. In my six-year-old mind, all I could think about was that my family had moved to Wasaga Beach and they had left me behind. I wondered what I had done wrong to make them mad enough to leave me. I wondered what I would do. Where would I live? Who would take care of me? Abject fear took root in my heart within minutes. I sat on the front step and wept as that feeling of lostness swept over me. And then my dad's car swung around the corner, stopped and picked me up, and all was well with the world. In the New Testament, Jesus talked often about us, average everyday people, as being lost. The Greek word is apolumi, which means a lot more than what our word lost means. It speaks of perishing and destruction. In other words, anyone who is lost in the biblical sense without God is doomed, hopeless on their own. I don't know about you, but I have felt that. In my rebellious years, I remember feelings of hopelessness and deep loneliness. It's not about condemnation. The Bible is not putting you down when it says that. It's just stating the simple fact that without God, we're adrift in a hostile world. So Jesus said in John 3, 16 through 20, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. I would like for us today to look at three well-known characters from the New Testament. And then I want you to look at yourself. I want you to realize today how valuable you are in God's eyes. It's not because you're good or smart or attractive or anything like that. You are valuable to God simply because he created you and he loves you, sinner that you are. I want you today, even if you've never accepted it, to realize to what lengths God will go in order to save your soul. Now the first person we'll look at is a man named Zacchaeus. It's found in Luke chapter 19 and verses 1 through 10. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him 
since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So what can we learn here? First of all, Zacchaeus was a sinner and a thief, and everyone knew it. He was a tax collector, which meant he took money from his own people and gave it to the Romans. He was also wealthy, which meant that he took extra money off the top because that was how tax collectors got paid. Suffice to say, Zacchaeus was not a popular man in the city of Jericho. He was a wealthy, lonely man. Also, Zacchaeus had a desire to see Jesus. He went so far as to climb a tree in order to see over the crowd. This is not the kind of thing that you would expect a well-to-do man of his standing to be willing to do, yet there he was. Zacchaeus made the effort. What were his expectations, do you think? Perhaps he expected to be ignored. Maybe he expected to be rejected. Likely to be insulted. But Jesus met him where he was. It's an interesting story. Jesus knew his name. He knows your name too. Jesus came to where Zacchaeus was and he stopped. This was no accident. Jesus came to this place intentionally to meet this man who was an outcast. And Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus joyfully. When Jesus asked him to come down and welcome into his home, he did so immediately and received Jesus with joy. And his life was transformed from that day onward. To Zacchaeus, his soul was worth more than all the money that he'd saved. The grace of God that he had received enabled him to let go of that which he valued above everything else, his money. Now the second person we'll look at is a woman whose name is not given. In John 8, 2 through 11, we find the woman taken in the act of adultery. It says, at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. See, the woman was an adulteress. She was guilty. They had caught her in bed with another woman's husband. She was brought to Jesus as a sinner. There was no doubt about this one. There was also no doubt about the motives of those who brought her. 
They didn't care at all about what happened to this woman. They were simply using her predicament to trap Jesus. So what was she expecting? Judgment, most likely. Rebuke, at least. A beating, probably. Death, likely. What was she feeling? Humiliation, of course. How would you like having your worst sin put on public display? Fear? Have you ever been confronted by an angry mob? Shame. How would you feel lying naked in the street? Max Lucado wrote about shame. Maybe you're listening today and you can relate to what he says. Canyons of shame run deep, gorges of never-ending guilt, walls ribboned with the greens and grays of death, unending echoes of screams, put your hands over your ears, splash water on your face, stop looking over your shoulder, Try as you might to outrun yesterday's tragedies. Their tentacles are longer than your hope. They draw you back to the bridge of sorrows to be shamed again and again. Here's what we can take from this encounter. She didn't come, first of all, of her own free will. Life brought her there. See, sometimes we don't look for help until we hit the bottom. Well, she was there. And Jesus didn't just look at her sin. He looked at why she sinned. Jesus cared about her, about her heart, about her well-being. And Jesus didn't excuse the sin either. Jesus never excuses sin. We don't like to use this word anymore, but Jesus wasn't shy about using it. She had failed and she knew it. She sinned. Everyone knew it. She was wrong. And then Jesus surprised her. He didn't do what she expected. Jesus forgave her. And Jesus empowered her to change. Now, the third person we'll look at today is also left nameless. We know him as the prodigal son. It's found in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. And I'm not going to read the story today because it's quite lengthy and it's familiar to many. You should read it yourself. But let me say that this story resonates with me and my own experience. It's the story of a young man who lived very comfortably in his father's estate, but this man, this youngest son, decides he doesn't want to wait for his father to die in order to receive his inheritance. He demands his share of the estate. The amazing part is that his father agrees, sells off part of his estate, and gives his son his share. He then leaves home to go off to the city where he squanders his money on wine, women, and song. He has many friends until the money runs out. He eventually finds himself destitute in a foreign land. The only job he can find is slopping pigs, which for a Jew is the lowest of the low. He's so hungry, he wants to eat what he's feeding the pigs. And he finally comes to himself and realizes that even his father's hired hands have it better off than he does. He decides to head home and throw himself at his father's mercy. This young man had wasted his youth. He had thrown away his inheritance, and he had shamed his father. And ultimately, he had humiliated himself. What was he expecting as he went home? A rebuke? Rejection by his own father? Punishment? Perhaps even a life of slavery? What was he feeling about himself? Hopeless? Guilty? Tired? But as he neared home, His father saw him and he ran to him and embraced him. He restored to him his place and he threw a party for all of his friends to come and celebrate with him. The father looked at this failure and saw one thing. He saw his son who was home. 
His reaction was compassion from a heart full of love. He was waiting for him the whole time. And this is beautiful. He forgave him. And he restored him. And he celebrated him. So what are the lessons learned from these stories? Well, first of all, you can't surprise God. God knows exactly where you've been. God knows all that you've done. God knows why you've come, whether you wanted to come, whether you needed to come, or whether you were forced to come. We can also learn that God will surprise you. Each of these people was surprised by the reaction they received. Zacchaeus, although he was a social outcast, Jesus welcomed him as a friend, and his life was transformed. And with the adulterous woman, although the law and the people demanded that she be killed, Jesus saw her, had mercy on her, forgave her, and called her up to a better way of life. With the prodigal son, although he deliberately rejected his father and dishonored him, the picture we see here is of our Heavenly Father who looks for us and longs for us to come home. His love for you is unconditional. Romans 5 and 8 tells us, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. At your worst, he saw you. At your worst, he loved you. At your worst, he died for you. The third thing we can learn from this is the response is yours to make. See, Zacchaeus could have rejected Jesus. He could have received him politely as a guest, but refused to change. The adulterous woman could have gone back to her old ways. And the prodigal son could have chosen to die far away from home, never allowing his father to see his shame. So, in this sermon series, we here at Clearview Community Church are actually talking about who we are as a church and why we do what we do. Here's the point. Each of us have at some point in our lives been Zacchaeus or the woman taken in adultery or the prodigal son. Now, for some of you, it may have been so long ago that you have a hard time remembering. But I want to challenge you today to remember. We need to remember. There, but for the grace of God, go I. See, the call of every follower of Jesus is to extend the offer of grace on his behalf, love people, become a part of their lives, help them where they are, and point them to Jesus. I don't care how nasty people can be. I've seen a lot in my day. But hear this, everybody is somebody for whom Christ died. When Jesus reached out to Zacchaeus, he shocked his disciples and the decent people who lived in Jericho. When Jesus accepted the woman taken in adultery, the religious leaders were completely taken by surprise. When the prodigal son was accepted home, his older brother couldn't understand and the neighbors were scandalized. But mercy triumphs over judgment. We are called to love people, all people. Would you pray with me today? Dear God, your word tells us that each of us have sinned and all of us are in need of grace. Please help us to acknowledge this, to come clean about who we are and who we have been. I thank you that you have promised that if we confess our sin, you are faithful to forgive us and to give us a brand new start. I pray that this would be true for each one listening today. And may we also be people who are willing to show that same grace to others. We have received freely from you. May we also freely give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
If you have prayed this prayer for the first time today, or if you would like to speak to a pastor, I encourage you to reach out to us by phone or by email. Now, go into a world that needs Jesus. Be his hands and be his feet. Share his love with those you encounter. Bring salt and light wherever you go. And may the presence of God be with you as you bear witness to the miracle of grace. God bless you.